Hi, welcome back to Meditate with Samara. In this podcast, I have this intention to bring you the best guests in the topics of well-being so you can be inspired to learn from their story and also to do the practical tips that they suggest so you can improve your well-being. Now, this episode is very exciting because it's something that's a very new territory to me. And we're going to talk about art therapy for your mental health. Now, we have a very special guest, an expert in his field. His name is Davy Young. Davy Young is an artist, educator, and emerging art therapist of Dutch and Chinese Malaysian heritage, currently living, working, and studying in London. Now, he achieved his degree in fine art and design in education in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, followed by a post-bachelor in psychosocial studies. Now, Davy has been active as an art teacher and lecturer who has worked with all age groups across different countries. His passion for art and creativity even gave him the opportunity to lecture visual arts for teacher students at the age of 25. I'm not even 25 yet, so that's amazing. As a lived experience practitioner, he was able to share his views on art and mental health from a service user perspective with psychology students. And he also states that mindfulness and Buddhism has saved his life. Now, Davy is now in his final stages to become an art psychotherapist, but is already well involved in the field because of his work at the British Association of Art Therapists. Welcoming to this podcast. Hi, Davy. Thank you so much for inviting me here and uh, to talk about art therapy. And that's a really flattering introduction. So, terima kasih banyak. I didn't know that you spoke Indonesian. That was such a um, pleasant uh, surprise. Uh, well, let me let me think. Saya boleh cakap bahasa Melayu, tetapi sudah lupa banyak. So I mean, that's so amazing. I, I, I used to uh, live in Malaysia, so and well, bahasa Indonesia, bahasa Malaysia is quite similar. So yeah, for four years, so empat uh, tahun, right? I, my jaw is a bit dropping right now. Before we record, I did not know that we spoke similar language. Yes, um, our language in Indonesian and Malaysian has the same root. So I'm more excited now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't do a full interview in, in Bahasa. You know, I forgot a lot. It's, uh, yeah, so, and I've, I've, I probably have a very thick Dutch accent. <laughs> same with my English. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited too, so. Yeah, I think it's good to mention that how we kind of met because uh, what brought me here was our, I think our shared passion for mindfulness. Yeah. So so we met uh, like, like during the lockdown really uh, on the mindfulness and compassion course at the University of Amsterdam. Yeah, it's a shame we never met in person, but well, this is the new normal, I guess. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah. good to still find you know uh, commonalities and shared interests and ways to connect. So, yeah. yeah, really grateful to be here. I totally agree that um, experience of the summer school was a good blessing to happen, I think, during quarantine, especially because with the whole being isolated and the uncertainty, we learned a lot about mindfulness and compassion. And I'm excited to also discuss with you what your experience was um, when that was happening because it was meant to be like a month-long program in person then it became like a two-week and only like a few zoom calls but somehow because of the shared interest i think the group was actually well connected and um, our teacher dr maya was her same if i'm pronouncing her name correctly um she was an incredible lecturer and, and gave us a lot of um, good tips and good meditations and and it was such a a pleasure to do that Learned a lot. Definitely, totally agree. Like, how amazing was the experience? Just well, and it came at the right time. Like you said, I think everyone kind of needs a little, you know, mindfulness uh, in these times of crisis. So, uh, well, I think what what drove me to kind of follow the uh, the program was, uh, well, I, you know, I was still studying, uh, still am to become an art psychotherapist. So I imagined, you know, having been familiarized with mindfulness myself. I just wanted to find new ways of kind of offering a new level of depth to what I can offer clients. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm always, you know, trying to kind of expand and broaden that, you know, 
toolkit, I guess. So, uh, and I must say, you know, I've I've learned a lot myself. Uh, I, I guess I struggled during lockdown. That's no, uh, I think everyone does. So it's uh, it was good for me too, and it kind of led me here, and you know, make new friends. <laughs> yeah. So. And I, I've written a piece actually uh, for the uh, the summer school, which was actually on how uh, mindfulness and art therapy can complement each other in mental health. So, and I guess before even you know uh, realizing my passion for these subjects, I guess a lot happened that led me you know in life that led me to kind of marry the two. So mm-hmm. they're, they're quite different approaches. So art psychotherapy is much more. Uh, from a psychodynamic approach so mindfulness i guess is more humanistic but uh, you know it's uh i think i think it's important to know you know uh to understand that me becoming an art therapist just isn't a coincidence so and what motivates me and, and i think other people to become art therapists usually uh, they embark on this journey because they've experienced challenges in life so and for me, it all started growing up uh, in two different countries with mixed cultures. So I have a Dutch mother and a Chinese Malaysian father. Mm-hmm. So from a young age, I kind of had to learn to balance all these contrasts, you know, that go with it. So that probably really shaped my identity. And uh, so I have a Chinese family uh, living in Malaysia. So and religion, uh, rituals, you know, always played a very important role. Uh, and with religion, I mean uh, the Chinese folk religion. So, and this has elements of Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism. So I think it's no coincidence, you know, that I have this interest in mindfulness. So right. I, I, I think of, uh, yeah, it's part of my upbringing. Thank you so much for, for um, sharing your story and your journey towards mindfulness. I think it's it's such a truth that people who are attracted to mindfulness these days has experienced challenges in various different parts of their lives and found the benefits and directly experienced how it has helped them. And um, I think it's such an amazing thing that you are bringing that to the next level in terms of trying to help people with it too and by learning a lot by the subject. And, and I can imagine that's why we both met at that time where we were doing the summer school program. What are the things that you you still remember or learn from from that summer school experience? Yeah, it's uh, I think the thing that stuck a lot was uh, which was quite relevant for the whole situation we were all in, I guess. And I, I believe you've I've listened to it. Yeah, uh, it's your fifteenth podcast, and it was about emotion regulation. I think that really stuck with me. It's like especially when you're dealing with all these difficult feelings and thoughts and. You know, there's a lot of fear and especially being isolated can cause all kind of difficult feelings so these these emotions you know they come naturally it's just uh, learning to kind of understand what they're kind of communicating to us and where they're coming from so i think the thing i took out most was yeah that part of emotion regulation i i've heard it before i've learned it <laughs> but it's always good to be reminded and to be reminded by other people who you know, who, who kind of are on the same journey. So you kind of can help each other. So I think that's what kind of made me become an art teacher as well. You know, to, to teach others was a way that I could learn and remember myself. <laughs> so uh, that was a very important part. And uh, compassion as well. Compassion is the big, was a big part of the, uh, of the summer school. So not only compassion towards others, I think, compassion towards yourself as well and that's something you know i i i don't uh, i can be honest about it even as therapists you know you're still you're still in that process trying to understand yourself better so you can be there for your clients actually so and i i can acknowledge that self-compassion and we did a test (laughs) and uh, i scored a bit lower on compassion towards self than compassion towards others and i was like yeah that's that's typically me i guess (laughs) you know i'm always always there uh when someone else needs me but you know especially in these times i think people are very often challenged to kind of uh be kinder to themselves really and and acknowledge their own needs so um yeah compassion Uh, compassion what's 
it's it's the I think Maya said this as well. It's the feeling that arises when uh, when you're confronted with someone else's suffering, right? And that you feel the you feel the need to kind of relieve the other one of that suffering. Yeah. That's basically compassion. So, yeah. and self-compassion, I guess, means acknowledging your own suffering too. Yeah. So I think that's very much the Buddhistic way of thinking. Life is suffering, and that is a thing that's connecting us. So. And I'm always very aware of that as a, you know, emerging therapist, uh, when I work with clients, uh, you know, what's, what's the root of that, that trauma really, or that, that suffering. So, and, uh, well, looking at my own journey, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, um, well, I guess I was raised rather free by my parents, maybe too free, one might argue. <laughs> so I... I had to kind of, I got a lot of freedom to explore, which was a good thing. So, and adopt all these different views, like I mentioned with, with religion. So I got to kind of incorporate them and apply them uh, later in life during crucial moments when I really struggled myself. So, and, yeah. and Buddhism, mindfulness, you know, they're, they're related, but they, they've helped me accept and deal with uh, inner conflict and, and duality. So yeah. again, trying to balance everything. Right. So um, yeah, I migrated at the age of six. So that's a really crucial stage in life. So uh, I was born in the Netherlands, in a, in a small, you know, uh, fisherman's town, <laughs> really called Zeeland. Yeah. yeah, it's the southern part of Holland. So and then we moved to a big city, Kuala Lumpur. So another, you know, huge contrast. And I was always very aware, you know, I, I looked Malay, but I felt very much Dutch on the inside as a kid. Yeah. And was often reminded of being different, you know, especially in the Malaysian school system. Uh, I know a lot has changed in the meantime, but I, I was, uh, you know, I was always a very creative kid. So I made art a lot, and perhaps because I found something that I could, you know, express myself or get some recognition to. Uh, but I remember receiving corporal punishment, you know, at the time uh, with the Ratan Kane. I don't know if they still uh, if they still do that because I was drawing white people, and I I saw myself as white too. And the teacher actually said, uh, "Well, look at your skin and look around you. You're using the wrong color." Oh my God. So that was, yep. <laughs> so like I said, these these things shape you really so it's uh it's it's part of my journey and it's it kind of i think that's what led me to become an art teacher myself and art therapist so yeah. Yeah, i think it goes without saying you know especially in the current age that we're much more aware uh, that it's not really helpful and that there's no wrong way of making art you know so whatever a child produces it's uh, it's an expression of, of the self yeah so uh, I guess the teacher, you know, I can emphasize with her and, and like she was probably not taught to see what the drawing said about, you know, uh, my inner world. Mm. So, and I know that now and I guess that, that all led me to where I am. So, yeah, sure. and becoming an art teacher reversed that role. <laughs> and I got to, like you mentioned uh, in, in the intro, uh, well, work in India as well. Uh, so I got to work with vulnerable and, and marginalized children, uh, children in special needs, and as well as adults. And we often forget that when you're working with adults, it's like you're working with the inner child as well. So, and I think art is always, you know, uh, because emotions are, are stored non-verbally. So mm -hmm. art often gives them a voice kind of to... to uh, but I will come to that in a bit. <laughs> I'll come to the art therapy bit more. But uh, yeah, that's that's. I think that those were one of the crucial moments, you know, that really stuck. And I linked later on in life, like, yeah, that's no coincidence. Mm -hmm. If art and the teacher made such a big impact on me as a kid, yeah. Well, now I'm an art teacher, and now I'm becoming <laughs> an art therapist who works in schools. So it's uh it's all linked it's all linked and the puzzle kind of becomes more clearer you know uh, as you go along that path i really appreciate you sharing your journey because it resonates so much in the terms of we can't really 
see why we are experiencing what we're experiencing at the moment, especially when we are a child, but we look back and we connect and it sounds like you have found your purpose or your dharma, your calling into teaching mm -hmm. based on your experience and you're still learning. And what's interesting for me, and I would like to ask you more, is that when you are shaped by all of these experiences, and for example, even in the summer course, we learned about emotion regulation and compassion, which I also had the same um, situation with the lower compassion score for myself. And it was completely new. It's an eye opener for me. Like, yeah, we are so easily too hard on ourselves. Right? And it's easy for us to, to be there for someone else. But sometimes when we are children, we do not, not all of us have the loving care, constant security to really believe in ourselves. And that could lead into emotions and trauma with emotional reactivity. Like uh, for my example, I'm also emotionally reactive and that created my journey towards mindfulness and studying emotion regulation. So long story mm -hmm. short, I'm wondering how can emotion regulation and compassion and the things that you, you study like also with inner child come into the aspect of art therapy itself or just creating art to express yourself i'm really curious yeah well it's good yeah you mentioned trauma but i don't know if all the listeners know like in, in the healthcare trauma doesn't necessarily mean like having ptsd you know from a war type experience trauma is actually uh, can be any kind of distressing event in your life so and from that standpoint you can even think of you know being born as the first traumatic experience really so and this ties into a buddhist concept like like i mentioned that life is suffering so while at the same time kind of a reminder uh, what it means to be human so uh, most behaviors and symptoms so when like me working as a as an art therapist these behaviors they kind of result from these experiences but they can actually you know help us better understand uh, why we've become the way we are and and even why others behave and act the way they do and i think that links in with the the whole compassion bit it's it's not judging someone by you know purely their behavior but trying to understand uh, what drove them to to that art therapy maybe it's good to kind of explain to people the, you know the term art therapy because i think the first thing that comes to mind is uh, the word art people immediately immediately focus on just the art and kind of forget therapy and you know both terms have all sorts of misconceptions really mm. but uh i guess art is quite hard to grasp you know it, it's very ancient it's so part of human history of even you know looking at cave prints and i think the, the oldest are found in indonesia actually really but, yeah i thought so but it's really part of human nature and, and but also you know art can also be very elitist in a way you know people often wonder like why certain works are in a museum while others aren't you know <laughs> so it may bring up memories as well of your own childhood and, and experience at school people often kind of associate art with something you did as a kid and you know working with adults or you know kids uh, in art therapy kind of could kind of bring up that feeling again of oh i remember in school i wasn't good enough at art you know mm -hmm. so just to be clear art therapy and art teachers know you're doesn't matter you know it's not about being good at art so the same as in, in mindfulness you know there's no right or wrong you're working with things that kind of emerge and come up so and especially in therapy um it's it's not about the end result so it's about the process of art making so you're exploring in the safe space you know with the therapist with someone you can trust who, who holds boundaries of confidentiality and building this authentic relationship so uh, and the relationship between the client the therapist but also between the art materials so you can actually you know art can actually explore ways to process emotions and, and every artwork tells a story really <laughs> but it's a it's a protective title art therapist in the uk and uh, so you need to be registered which with the uh, health and care professional council mm -hmm. and my study in particular i'm doing the ma in art psychotherapy that is from a psychodynamic 
perspective. So this focuses on a lot of unconscious drives and looks back to what happens to you, you know, uh, like I explained with the past trauma. So mindfulness-based art therapy often kind of has a more directive or themed approach, but there are many different perspectives approaches. So we have art psychotherapy, but we have art as therapy. We have the arts therapies. These are very subtle differences. They sound the same, but they're actually many different approaches, but they all focus on working with the person, the process and not the outcome. So I think that's important to know that, that art is actually offers a gentler way to open up, to, to reflect, uh, yeah, well, the art that's produced, we can use to kind of reflect and wonder, you know, uh, what is being communicated metaphorically, you know, because like I said, it's a, a non-verbal process. So the therapist may say something like, uh, could this piece of art, you know, explain how you're feeling? Yes. So, and then you kind of explore together because, and I discovered that with my own art, really, you know, doing my degree as a fine art design teacher, I made a lot of art and it would often take like a couple of years that I'd look back at something I produced to kind of like, oh, now I, now I realize what was happening at the time and it kind of came out in the artwork. But when I made it, I, I wasn't that aware of it. So it's, it becomes, you know, these emotions and these experiences can be stored actually in the, in the art that you produce. And I guess the more, more freely you kind of make art without overthinking it, the more authentic, the more, you know, it's uh, so without judging, like, like I'm not good enough. So you just, you can do whatever. And that's, I think it, it's closer to an actual core, I guess, of a feeling, something that's, that needs to come out and you can, think about it later on but I argue that you know even just the process of making without trying to rationalize everything mm. can already help you so it's it's and you probably know this from your yoga practice as well so you you mentioned the title uh, art therapy for your mental health but I think art therapy can do even more because you know mind and body go hand in hand and there's a connection to the materials mm. so there's this sensory aspect to it so uh, so thinking about you know motor skills uh, and things that you know the body has a memory too yeah. so and emotional trauma can be stored in the body so our therapy can actually allow for certain you know brain nerve patterns to kind of be rewired or so i think it, it does a lot more and i'm still discovering new things every day so i'm no expert I'm supposed to be, but I mean, this, I think this is a, lo a lifelong journey that you can keep discovering new things. So yeah, it's said uh, about it. <laughs> I, I, I love everything that you just said because it's something incredibly new for me to hear. I understand a bit through my process with my mother. My mother um, is now making a lot of artwork. She paints and then she does a lot of DIY and for a moment, I didn't quite follow through her process of doing it, but then it became like a bonding thing. She comes like, hey, uh, do you want to do and play clay with me? And I was like, I'm 24. I don't play clay anymore. That's something that you do with, <laughs> yeah. like with children because I had cousins who were, who were young and were so excited. And then I was like, okay, it's a bonding quality family time. Let me do it. And I found myself in that process to kind of connect with my inner child or my younger self in my creativity that because we as adults maybe we we are so wired to rationalize everything and we don't be are not really in touch with with our feelings and the process of as you said um, the sensory the touching of the clay and then just being there with the family and I wasn't making the thing that my mom was telling everyone to make because we wanted to make clay cactuses for her YouTube channel um, and, painted it. and then I made like a whale. It's like, I don't know why I made a whale because I want to try to make a cactus, but this cactus isn't perfect. So I made a whale instead and I painted a whale and then I was proud of it. I don't, it was like the worst looking whale if I started wow. to rationalize it. What you said well, about- that's such a great experience. I mean, that's, that's, that's the core right there. I mean, you, you found a way, you know, even having been told, like, let's make a cactus, that you kind of found your own way of expressing something that probably needed to come out. So yeah. it's uh, it's really interesting. And, and you know, like like 
we have all these judgments, especially like adults. Oh, you know, working with clay or art, it's like, oh, that's what kids do. And I know, especially in the Asian, uh, you know, I look at my my own uh, family back in in Asia. It's part of, part in the culture as well. So, but it's uh, it's so much more. And actually, thinking about mindfulness and how you're trying to be, you know, very present in the moment and aware of what you're doing. And, there's so much to kind of to process when you're in an art making process. So like you said, the touch, but even the smell and what you're seeing, all the colors and how, you know, the textures, how it's behaving. If you really kind of learn, and especially adults have it harder than kids, it comes more naturally to kids, but adults kind of need to let go of that preconceived idea and, and all these, you know, judgments about, what they're doing mm -hmm. so and that's a, a very interesting process actually in self-discovery and in, in self-awareness and it's it's depends on in what setting you're working as well you know yeah. like, that's why i think it's such a powerful uh, powerful you know thing to kind of apply in healthcare because it, it's applied everywhere it's like well in in prisons in uh schools like i mentioned in the nhs you know the the national healthcare system here you know with refugees with this you know anything you can kind of imagine really wow. it's where you can uh, apply it because it's it's uh, it's a much gentler way of communicating and we often are so used to using words and i struggle with words often but you know and art and making something visual for some it's it's such a more natural way of communicating and there is you know uh, there is something that's so embedded in like i said being human in in our culture uh, to kind of express true art so this dates back thousands of years like i said with the cave paintings but even uh, children you can you know there's this uh, there are certain developmental stages where you can actually, you know, uh, analyze or link drawings to, you know, a certain age group or developmental stage. And that's a universal language. So it applies, it doesn't matter where, to which continent, if you kind of ask a, a six-year-old kid to, to draw a house, it's often, often the same. So there are these kind of, uh, you know, embedded uh, like images that we've kind of just inherited from, you know, years of evolution as being human. Mm. So we, we're able to, we have this capacity to kind of uh, interpret something that's flat, you know, on paper. You know, it's just a couple of lines with, with some foreign material, you know, and you're, you're able to say, oh, that's a horse or that's a house. or So we have this way of thinking and expressing ourselves uh, metaphorically symbolically so that's that's quite an amazing thing to realize really that part of you know our nature <laughs> right thank you for sharing that i'm curious about the process we started talking about the preconceptions that that we often have about art the judging of the experience the who should do it who should not do it who is it accessible to how, what format it should be i'm curious if there are any ways to overcome those preconceptions because the intention is also to inspire our friends who are listening right now that it's okay to just do and express yourself in art however that form is however that process is and how can we start to do that how can we teach ourselves about art or learn about ourselves through art i don't think it's a process you can rush really <laughs> because like i said some things kind of take years to kind of become part of a culture or society so i think actually it is a societal problem that people are kind of feel this way you know towards diagnoses for instance or you know talking about you know depression or all these difficulties there are all these kind of feelings of oh no you know there's something wrong with me there's you know being judged like this is not what my parents want to see you know or hear so i think that's actually something that's more uh, in society but 
if I can can give advice is actually that uh, that's slowly changing and that's actually we need to kind of challenge that and make it you know uh, you know able to discuss those things uh, just to make it more normal. I think that's the most important thing. So it doesn't have to necessarily be true art. That's why I think art is a gentler way. And I think if you're really struggling uh, in expressing difficult feelings, I think that can really be a good uh, starting point to kind of think about, oh, wait, now I know where, where, that's, where that's coming from, you know, or, or, oh, the therapist can kind of help you think about, you know, I wonder if that's, you know, that reminds you of something and that you kind of think, oh, wait, I remember, you know, like, like I said, that incident that I had in school, you know, uh, with the, you know, being hit with the cane, it's, uh, those things kind of come up much later. It's uh, that you realize, well, it had a big impact. So I think we, it's a slow process of acceptance, actually. And it's hard to kind of uh, break those taboos because they're all around us and they're everywhere in the media. And it's, it's become part of, you know, our culture, really. Uh, if we can talk about one culture, I mean, but like there are definitely certain stereotypes towards uh, men and women. Like, as a male, it's quite, you know, it has been difficult, you know, to be more emotional, to be more vulnerable, because, you know, often ex expected to kind of uh, be the strong, confident one. And what is strong anyway? I mean, does strong mean that you can't be gentle or soft? I don't believe that actually. It's I think there's strength in being vulnerable too. So uh, it's challenging those ideas that you have and that you've been taught as well. Um, so, and a theory in particular that I really like is uh, attachment theory. Mm. Maybe it ties in with the whole Buddhist idea of non-attachment too, but uh, so attachment theory, uh, I think is, is coined by Bowlby, John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. So it's very popular and it actually talks about how we're kind of, I guess it's a grounding theory uh, relating to parenting. And it, it talks about, you know, the child's uh, tie to the mother or the primary caregiver could be the father as well. That young children kind of need to develop a relationship uh, with at least one primary caregiver that, um, that kind of teaches them, you know, normal social and emotional development. And I've experienced this myself, uh, really, because like we know because of Bowlby, you know, that attachment causes parts of the, the baby's brain to develop in a certain way. So we have a secure or safe attachment that helps uh, with this social and emotional development uh, and communication and building, you know, healthy relationship. But the same goes for the disruption or the separation, the deprivation, uh, bereavement, uh, because they can all cause these you know, different attachment styles. So anxiously attached, uh, chaotically attached. And these patterns tend to kind of repeat uh, throughout your life with, with things you make. So, and I actually like, I've, I've always had this quote from, uh, in mind from uh, Lao Tzu about, uh, you know, be mindful of your thoughts because they become words, they become uh, actions, they become, you know, become behavior and they become your personality in the end so things that kind of uh, kind of uh, how do you say it it's like um you know those thoughts that become behavior it, it slowly kind of creeps in and you don't even notice but before you know it it's it's become your truth your worldview and your complete you know uh, personality and I had, you know, it took me years and I'm still working on it to deconstruct all those ideas and kind of find out like where did it start and and why do I feel this way, you know, and, and what, what is it with, you know, the other person that makes me act this way? What is it about this person that makes me act in a different way? <laughs> so it's, it's a, a process that takes a lot of time. So and it's like with every art therapy, you know, every therapy form, so it doesn't necessarily need to be art therapy, but mm. I think art therapy actually is a more gentle way to explore this. Yeah, I think if you're new to it, I, I approach it just like some kind of mindfulness practice, actually. So 
don't go in with a you know idea of oh I need to make something. Just let the process lead you. Let the art material just experiment and see what comes out and how you feel. So yeah, I think uh, does that make a bit of sense? I don't know. I'm just babbling on. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to. You. I had a little bit of goosebumps just because I feel like I really connect to the words and the stories that you're saying, especially about the attachment styles and theory because it took me years as well to deconstruct that and still doing so. I studied that a bit during my bachelor's, actually in Rotterdam, I, I did um, a year in oh. and we had a class, it was called socio-neuroeconomics. We had two tests, one was a quiz on attachment styles and one, they actually could um, use our DNA, we spit it into like the glass thingy and send it to the lab and actually our attachment styles could be seen by the lab samples, which blows my mind because I think wow. like three quarters of the class got it almost exactly right between their written test, which is their thought patterns and wow. their understanding yeah. and behaviors mm -hmm. the world and their communication with, with the lab results. And I have an anxious attachment style. And when I do and react from that space, sometimes I don't realize it. But looking back, like, okay, this is me trying to understand myself. And then I, I went to this process of talking to my parents openly about it. Like, um, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm seeing myself reacting in this way multiple times over multiple relationships and friendships. Mm. I feel like this is burdensome in a way. Um, the anxious attachment yeah. style is difficult in itself. So. And then my parents told me about their traumas, which is such an adult conversation. And it was such a lovely conversation of, of knowing, oh, I, I can't blame my parents. They, they're also repeating their understanding of the world. And they do not wow. have the consciousness of whatever they're saying and relating to their child is a way that will imprint towards their life. And it's a, it's a process that you are right. It, it's, it's not uh, A to Z systematic process with the clear mm -hmm. time it's just a continual trying to figure out and um, what has helped me is a lot of self-awareness and the intention to have inquiries self-inquiry but but also then when I figure out anything I don't say oh this is good or bad I think the labels that we often have towards our thoughts and our actions are actually making us quite averse to it so I, I think I learned this in one of a Buddhist theory that when we have something that we dislike, we want to avoid it. And if it's something that we like, we want to desire it. And the desiring and the avoiding is actually the cause of suffering. And I was like, wow, that alone. is, yeah. that is yeah, what it is. It you know, it's, that's why I think, like, like you said um, in the introduction, I, I do state that mindfulness and Buddhism saved my life because it's it's very true it's uh i kind of had to kind of you know, so some people call it like uh what do they call it? like the dark night of the soul you know or something like uh depression you know have many have many words for it I, I i really thought of it as a existential crisis so i was questioning everything and reevaluating my whole life and thinking about you know why am i the way i am and and you know deconstructing i had the same thing it's quite amazing how you know we we find each other i guess even across across the world but i had these these same uh, discussions with my parents and transgenerational trauma is a is a real thing like you can actually inherit something that you're not aware of yeah until you know you finally are brave enough actually that's the word to speak up and and acknowledge and and include uh, like people around you or your your attachment figures really so uh, and I like what you said it's definitely about you know uh, this avoidance you know these are all defense mechanisms and I think a lot of people aren't aware of you know how they automatically turn on certain defense mechanisms like avoid or you know uh, uh, like regress or uh, what do we have you know denial projection and, and uh, so as a society i think it's it's still very hard to talk about you know real feelings because and i've seen this with many clients and people around me 
once that kind of conversation starts, especially, you know, I'm, it's it's amazing that you were able to have that. It's such an important experience in, in you know, your own journey, your own development. And But a lot of people just, you know, kids can't have that conversation with their parents because of these strong denial or strong uh, defenses, you know, uh, of rejection or, uh, of, of, you know, and I think that's that's a natural thing because as a parent, you're maybe ashamed a bit. You don't want to kind of believe, oh, I played a role in you know my child feeling this way. Uh, but it's it's the picture is so much bigger. And I actually got a tattoo to remind myself constantly how everything is interconnected and you know how the picture is always. So I don't know if you know the Buddhist symbol, the endless knot. So. It, it's it. a reminder yeah so so i'm constantly reminding myself of yeah just remember that it's uh, how we're part of this bigger whole so uh, and i really admire people who, who are able to you know to be brave enough to talk about what got them to to be labeled a certain diagnosis for instance because i, I don't judge people based on that but i know a lot of people do it's just at some point in their life they needed that to get the help that they needed so and i think especially now looking at the lockdown situation i think actually the service users who've been through it actually cope way better than, than the support workers even mm. so <laughs> so yeah i'm uh, it's uh, yeah I'm, i admire uh, people who, who have you know taken the journey so, okay. and and spreading awareness and being an advocate for for this you know for true equality for a, a, a lived experience you know let practice or podcast even <laughs> so yeah no, thank you for for sharing that with the world really to, to making this podcast available i really enjoyed uh, listening to to some of your uh, yeah some of your podcasts uh, it makes me very happy to hear that i'm really grateful that you are willing to share your journey your learnings and your process also here in, in my podcast because i believe it's a process for myself as well as it is i hope that it can at least help one person who is listening to open up their perspective about how the world works it's not always the right thing it's not always the right thing for them but it is an option for people to explore and i believe mm -hmm. if i could have known many of these things when i was younger maybe it could be different but it is all interconnected and it showed up in my life in the moment that it needed to be and i reflected it in the moment that i needed it to be so yeah. uh, this is just a part of, of that process and i'm grateful um for you as well today yeah <laughs> very much so uh, it, um yeah I'm, I'm not sure what else <laughs> to it's uh, i'm 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 very shocked that you know uh, about everything that you shared as well and how connected it is it is really how similar and I think, well, it's probably no coincidence. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, I, uh, it may be good to share that, I, uh, you know, like talking about art and ways to express um, that, you know, even uh, looking at art or being involved, it doesn't necessarily have to be art therapy. Mm. But even going to a museum and just reflecting on, you know, how do I feel looking at this artwork? you know can also give a lot of insights so it's it's uh, just just to remember that you know the visual aspect you know is is another way of of kind of being in touch with uh, what's going on on the inside yeah. so and i know uh, you know mindfulness doesn't always necessarily uh, mean you know being led so visually <laughs> but i i find mindfulness in everything really so that's why I think the process is so important because you can even, you know, eat an orange mindfully. So why not, <laughs> you know, make a, a clay, uh, a whale mindfully? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, I love that. I think it's going to bring uh, a different perspective by approach art or the process of it um, after this conversation. I'm wondering, um, what are the type of artworks are you, are you doing right now? Are you busy making anything? Ah. 
Um, uh, well, yes, I see your work actually. I'm interested to to check that out after oh, this. So I'm working on my website still, but uh, I've for the time being I've 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 uploaded my artworks on uh, my Instagram page, so that's at Davey Young. So you could check that out, and I've I've posted a couple of blogs there as well about the uh, you know the the summer school we were on together, about the experience, you know, uh, how the mindfulness and compassion course was like. But um, I'm actually co-curating an art exhibition uh, together with uh, an amazing artist called uh, Lisa Pettibone. And uh, well, all the attenders are amazing, by the way. But um, it's called the Lockdown Residency. So it's it consists of 18 or 19 artists from you know all over the world. And my friend uh, Mary Lati from Norway who knows a lot about mindfulness too, by the way, <laughs> she proposed this collective residency uh, in March for artists to kind of reflect on how they were experiencing lockdown. So, and it's going to be an online you know, exhibition, so a virtual space and using a Kunst Matrix. Wow. So that's my contribution actually. So I'm uploading everything as we speak <laughs> and I've painted quite a dark painting actually. So I reimagined the lockdown experience as a gothic romance, you know, uh, the novels, goth gothic tales. So it's, and the gothic romance genre is all about, you know, very intense emotions. So I reimagined the uh, lockdown experience in that way. And I, I think I can give you the scoop concerning the title because it, <laughs> it's going to be called The Bones of a Dying World. Wow. So I'll... I'll there's there's a snippet on uh, the lockdown residency Instagram as well, so that's at lockdown dot residency, and we're currently uploading some some profiles of the artists that are contending. But the exhibition itself will be from uh, the twenty second of October to thirty of November, and there will be online workshops and there's also a panel discussion uh, in uh, I think in November with uh, arts and health professionals, uh, which I will be part of as well. So that might be something to kind of uh, keep an eye out on. I'm so excited for you. That awesome. <laughs> I'm going to put um, links and your handles for your Instagram and the lockdown.residency and also the blogs that I thoroughly enjoyed reading because you have oh, you. the pictures and the slides the visual so you you presented in a way that was very personal with your background your story and it's easily understandable and and the slides makes it even better so i think for our friends that want to have the benefit of the summer school can also look at the oh, yeah. post i think i think it encompasses the material really really well so i'm really oh, thank grateful you so much that's really kind yeah, no, I can recommend it to anyone, really. You know, you have to make the best of it, you know. Uh, like at the moment, I just traveled back to London, so I have to quarantine myself. So I think, you know, where you can, you know, just explore what's out there online. And there's a lots of uh, courses going on. And so a summer school, I can definitely recommend. <laughs> yeah, it, it brought us together to talk in this very moment and realizing... Right a lot of connection in the process and our interests. So it's a lovely experience to just be open with the process and that. Thank you so much, Davey, for sharing a lot about what art is, what the misconception is, art therapy and your process. You've been very courageous in, in just expressing yourself here in, in the way that I even had goosebumps just listening to it. I swear it's, it's uh, <laughs> I felt very connected and um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm Sama, Sama. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's very cute. Um, yeah, I, I was wondering if you could say as a parting as a parting note for our listeners right now who has been tuning in, what can they do to better understand themselves through art after listening this podcast? Don't overthink it. Just grab the materials that you have by hand. And I mean, anything can be art materials, really. So like you said, even if you're just fidgeting with something, you're already doing something and you don't need to kind of think like, oh, someone else is going to analyze it. Because as art therapists, you know, we're not there to kind of 
tell you what's going on. It's actually about this whole, uh, you know, like I said, the relationship that you have even with the materials. So it's it's gaining self-awareness just by being more mindful in the moment of what you're kind of creating and what you're what you're doing and processing. So I I definitely encourage you know mindfully fidgeting and 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 scribbling and and so uh, and I don't want to go on forever, but I think it's important for the for the listeners to know that. Uh, you know, it may come across very naturally for, you know, someone who's an artist and art teacher. But I've actually experienced creative blocks as well. So, and the thing that really got me out of it was actually knowing that whatever you make, it's, it has meaning. So it, there is something, an unconscious process that's going on that you don't need to kind of be constantly aware of, actually. So, so it doesn't matter, whatever you make, once you let go of those kind of judgments and preconceived ideas and just kind of do what comes naturally because it is a very natural process for humans to communicate uh, visually so don't overthink it that's that's my advice <laughs> and it's nice because trust the process yeah oh trust my god yes i love that i love that so much because we we easily overthink if we have racing thoughts and we don't have a mindful moment of our current present experience so easily to get washed up with the what ifs and how to do it and a lot of that but thank you so much Evie, again for thank you for this conversation i've had a lovely time talking to you yeah i'd, I'd do it next week again really i, I really enjoyed it <laughs> so let's keep in touch and uh, yeah i look forward to you know uh, listening to your other podcast as well and and getting some reactions hopefully on the lockdown residency yes so i hope that so, everyone... uh, i'm quite curious what everyone thinks and what you think of the artwork i made yes we are i am going to do it at least i can vouch for myself that i'm going to check it out after this and follow and then i'll um, let you know what i think but still i'm i'm just really appreciative for for your time so thank you so much thank you so much <laughs> So thank you for everyone who is listening to this podcast. I hope that you have found some benefit in it and something that is practical for you to take action on after listening to this, because this podcast and this episode's intention is not only to inspire you, but also to have the change that you seek to have. And that depends on, on you, really. So I hope that this has been an interesting experience and interesting knowledge for you if you find any benefits you can um, talk to me or also share it to your friends and family that you think would benefit from it thank you so much for listening until next time namaste namaste